0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Fintech Insider After Dark. This is the place that this all begun for us, which is kind of weird. You know, like, literally, the, the room around the corner that we started the first podcast in doesn't exist anymore. But we are told that actually our first office downstairs still does exist. So we're going to be like sort of naughty schoolboys and go and have a look later on in terms of, like, it's like that old classroom that we had. Um, but, yeah, thank you a huge amount for Level 39. So before we kind of get going, can we give those guys a round of applause for having us back? And a a huge thank you to everybody who's turned out in the the audience for this one today. It's great to see so many people kind of come along and uh, support what we're doing in various different guises. Um, And for everybody who's listening to this on the podcast, because this podcast is going to be going out, everything everybody says on stage, you guys know this, right? Everything you say is going out on the podcast, right? Uh, It will be going out. So everybody listening onto the podcast right now, we're up in level 39 where 11FS all began. Um, I know a bunch of you guys have literally sort of flown in for this one as well. So really, really appreciate you guys making the effort to, to sort of come in both in terms of some of the guests and actually some of the people who are just in the audience for this one um, If you haven't realised this is going to be a Valentine's Day themed one, if the 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 sort of love hearts and sort of romantic lighting that's sort of uh, permeating around where we're going, then there's going to be some love in the air, guys. Like uh, I hope you hope you guys are feeling the love. Um, And what that sort of means, firstly, is well, if you guys are listening to this in the podcast and you didn't realise that it was Valentine's Day, it's Friday and you're kind of screwed by now. So um, what I like, just pause this, run out. (laughs) Buy a present, buy a card, like, apologise to him as much as you can that you didn't get that. Um, But for you guys, it's Wednesday, so, you know, you still have some time. If you didn't realise, you're in for a treat. So the the show's going to all be about relationships. You know, the good, the bad, uh, the fun, the arguments, the sort of late-night texting, I'm sure... Barclays late night texting somebody is going to be interesting. That's a, it's an inter- entertaining one to do. You're both nodding along with that as well. So, okay, there's a line of questioning Sarah when that comes up to uh, um But um, the, the sort of, dialogue on this one has changed quite a dramatic amount. You know, I think if you, you guys cast your mind back a little bit about uh, the narrative between fintech and banking. You know, it was very much, uh, back in the early days of this, it was a, a kind of a, a, a kind of antagonistic relationship. This was all about the banks versus fintech, or, you know, fintech coming in with some crazy technology to, to kind of come against the banks, and that they would destroy the banks, and all of those things would work. And, and thankfully, what we've sort of found is that if you fast-forward forward to today the the dialogue has moved on a lot more uh i'm sure everybody sighed relief when i when i said that this is not going to turn into some sort of jerry springer episode of uh, fintech versus bank like i know because we have two stages it could have looked like that would have been what we would have done um but it's good because the the narrative is, is moved on this is no longer about them and us and just about us which is fantastic. And when I look around the room, actually, there's, there's big banks, there's big fintechs, there's people from the regulator, there's people from the treasury, there's all different types. Sorry, you guys were trying to be cognito, weren't you? my bad. Like, Alex, when this goes out, can you edit that bit out for a little while? Um, but, you know, being in a situation where it's about this community and moving forwards what we can do in this community is just an absolutely amazing thing. From our perspective, relationships are very similar to to personal relationships, um, which is why our HR department's really busy, I'm not going to lie. Um, but it's, it's very much about being in a situation where uh, you have honesty, you have clear communication in terms of everything that you're doing. There's a a clear commitment between two partners. Uh, this is sounding chapel-esque, isn't it, in terms of where I'm going with this, Jamie? There's so much love in the room, isn't there? I, can you feel it? Oh, I feel it. You feel it. Um, and, and actually, there's a, a bunch of patience with people. And ultimately, there's, there's a, a great deal of trust between two partners. Um, and I think if you have all of those different things in place, then actually you can do amazing things. And what we're seeing in the industry right now is amazing things happening. You know and I, and I think that is the challenge to everybody in the room. Uh, from the tiny companies to the huge companies in this space. It's all about fostering those relationships and finding those people who you can create that commitment with. Um, And I I think that's a fantastic space to be in. It used to be one huge company competing with one huge company. Um, You know, I wrote something recently about David and Goliath, and being a David, you know I'd sort of back David in that scenario in most instances. But actually the things that David and Goliath could have done if they got together and stopped sort of bickering about stuff would have been rather good, wouldn't it? And that's probably what we're going to be talking about a lot much today. We have an amazing amount of guests to talk to you. Uh, The lineup that we have tonight is kind of like if you did a conference over like three days and had them all do like three hours about all of their experiences, but we're giving them like 12 minutes. So let's see kind of what happens in terms of this context. So, um, And it's all going to be relationship themed. So there's going to be a a host kind of pulling everybody uh, through this, getting the best out of these guys in terms of what we can. And we're going to be asking you guys for participation. So Ross, you're going to be running around and trying to drag out some, some communication from these guys
1: you're going to be trying to avoid me every time I walk down. you're going to be putting heads down
0: there. um, there's, a, there's a general rule if you don't make eye contact with Ross he's almost certainly going to be picking on you which uh, makes it like you're going to be like the liked, most liked person in the room right now which yeah. is which is kind of good if, if Asif's bringing
1: the comedy and David's obviously bringing the sexy swap in a way
0: I'm sort of bringing the threat <laughs> <laughs> well some, somebody had to do it dude so uh but um but how's, how uh, like this is the first afterdark that we've been doing this this year how uh, how do you think this
1: one's gonna go yeah no i so th- this is exciting um i mean look at this like look all the way to the back i cannot genuinely believe the amount of people that are here i went down earlier and there were people like shoving each other out of the way in the middle um but this is great i think anybody who knows the show has anybody been to like one of our after darks before give us a cheer come on audience <laughs> participation okay so you guys know the normal format panel show um so this to david's point is a, is, is is a different format um we do still want to bring the audience participation a big part of it is getting you guys involved so please don't actually put your head down and try and avoid eye contact when i come by um we're going to give you guys the chance to ask plenty of questions get involved um so please do do that
2: also well,
0: in in sort of Time on, and I'm I feel like I'm channeling Scylla Black ever so slightly on this one. And for anybody who's like a millennial, you've got no idea who I'm talking about on that one in terms of where we're going. Um, but uh, but I think if we bring up our first couple, shall we? Um, ter- so, um, so in terms of the uh first uh setup that we have, then do you guys want to come up onto the stage? So we have the lovely people from Market Invoice and the lovely people from Barclays, and Sarah Kachansky is going to be running this one. Over to you, sir.
3: Well, I'm, I'm going to try and run this. I'm going to try and keep control. But my, my um, lovely guests have already told me they have other ideas. So uh, we'll see how we go. Um, do, you, do you want to introduce yourselves, gentlemen? Tell us who you are. Tell us a little bit about your relationship, perhaps. What it looks like.
2: Sure. Well, I think my partner and Valentine needs no introduction. Um, the largest bank in England and Wales. Uh, but I might, uh, or market invoice might. So market invoice is a, a technology platform that allows businesses to, if they're waiting a long time to get paid, so 30, 60, 90 days, to get funds up front and unlock the, the cash out of their invoices so that they can uh, grow their business. And um, it's, I suppose, a maybe on the surface, a match of two very different people. Um, but we have uh, the same values and um a mutual interest so uh, so it's it's kind of uh, that's how we came together
3: um so when did your relationship start when did you meet
4: so we, we met about 18 months ago and um at the risk of really stretching the valentine's thing it was kind of <laughs> it, it, it was love at first chat um because um i mean honestly the, the great thing was we spent the first hours talking about clients not about the product um you know not about the service or a partnership or or the money it was all about you know talking together about what are the needs of small and medium businesses in the UK um and and that we just clicked honestly we just got and it was one of those meetings where you walk out the room going we're going to work with those guys um so that's how it started
3: so are you still in the honeymoon period have you had any arguments yet
2: well, uh, so we, we uh, no to. Please, please do
3: tell
2: us more. I mean, look. Sometimes in relationships, you you one party doesn't know if the other party is arguing with you. But uh, certainly, <laughs> so. Um, but certainly, from my perspective, and maybe I'm I'm a bit naive, but I don't think we've had any arguments. And it's um, we, we've had a, a very nice honeymoon, which was uh, the pilot, which ran over the summer. And that was very successful, um, and we learnt a huge amount about each other. And, uh, yeah, from there, now we're, we're, we've kind of moved in, and we're sort of working out the, the chores and who does, who does what. Um, we've got sort of different habits. It's probably a way
4: of describing
2: it. Okay. And we're getting used to
4: each other's habits and working out how we're actually going to make the day-to-day living work. And
2: it's wonderful.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 loving how far we've got with this metaphor. This is brilliant. Um so let's let's dig into that. Let's dig into that partnership a little bit more, right? So so how much um of, of this relationship, you know, what do you give to each other? So Barclays, what was it that you couldn't do alone that, that Tom has what what hole in your life has has Market Invoice and, and Tom filled?
4: Um so it's a real it really is a match made in heaven, right? Um yeah, you know, as Tom said, we're we're sort of you know the largest business bank in England and Wales. Um, lots of relationship managers all over the country, great sort of traditional product set. But but we knew that working capital, day-to-day cash flow is the biggest problem that that SMEs face. Um, We had a great product. We have a great product uh, for doing invoice financing for larger businesses. Uh, We looked at it and said, well, can we stretch this technology uh, and make it work for for smaller businesses? We could have done. No question we could have done. Would have taken us a while. Would have cost us some money. And then we said, well, hang on a second you know we've just met these guys and and they do it and they do it brilliantly and we've got the same values as uh, as tom said so so that's really for us what 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 tom and market invoice brought to us was the ability to get a great product in front of you know up to a million SMEs in the UK very very quickly
3: and so um how, I mean, the, the, the way it's phrased on my notes is, uh, you know, are you in bed together yet? How deeply committed uh, are you? But I guess the way of phrasing that to a fintech audience is, um, how, how deep is the integration? <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah.
3: I couldn't deliver it with a straight face. I'm sorry, I really tried. <laughs>
2: yeah so I, I don't know how how really to continue the metaphor but um, um go on try uh, no I, I actually do you know what i I don't think i should i, I, I think I, I i think so how how deeply maybe living arrangements maybe we could, could yeah, do yeah, let's living do that arrangements way, yep. um we're definitely living together um so uh we we have and and what's good is we're getting to know the people that are important to each other. So in relationships, I suppose you have your uh, friends. Uh, you know, you have to get used to other people's friends and, and families. And so w- one level where we're really deeply integrated is is the people. And we uh, have really good relationships with uh, Barclays. So we at Market Invoice have really good personal relationships with with the Barclays team. So um, their bank managers. Uh, Regional managers, regional directors, and and I think that's that's been one of the things that has struck me the most. It's how engaged these people are. Um, maybe not engaged. So It's obviously bad if you're <laughs> in a relationship with someone who's engaged. You're engaged to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So so there's there's uh, that element which which is is really really important
3: and what kind of what does that look like practically actually so just to, to step away from the metaphor a little bit because we may have stretched it beyond <laughs> i i can't keep going um but practically what does it what does it look like are you are you actually sharing an office or are you kind of uh, tra- you know is, is there training going on you said you have relationships with the with the engagement managers you know what does it look like
4: so again so again we'll drop the metaphor for a second one of the big things we discovered was we needed to train and educate both businesses and the the barclays frontline relationship staff in this great new product uh and so a great example was, you know, the, the, the market invoice team got out on the road, shoulder to shoulder, partnering with the Barclays folks, you know, literally touring the country doing teach-ins. Um, together um, to get us all up to the same level. Um, we have people who are hanging out in in market invoices offices. I think that's mainly because they're a hell of a lot cooler than being in one uh, Churchill place. Um, but, you know, really getting used to things. So, you know, legal teams have all been there, compliance teams, you know, all that kind of stuff that, again, we've got to get used to each other. You do that by being with each other, you know, and actually seeing how it works on the ground, not just by talking about it.
3: So it sounds like, you know, you're you've just you've just sort of maybe coming through the honeymoon period. Um, and we all know that at the end of the honeymoon period, there's usually like a few bumps, a few hurdles. Um, so what um, issues are there left for you to sort of address? Uh, I know that Barclays are now a minority stakeholder in market invoice. Uh, does that change the dynamic? Does that change the relationship? Does one of you, um, you, know, I, I, you know, what involvement does Barclays have maybe on the future direction of market invoice outside of this partnership? Do, are, are, you a, are you controlling? Are you the controlling partner?
4: <laughs> uh, no absolutely not um, and I think one of the um, uh, I think one of the things here is again, our, one of the nice things about being a minority child is you are invested in that business being successful and not just with you right um, and so you know we know that uh, market invoice have got other friends uh, other friends that they work with and, so, and that's great because that helps them be more successful um, so no that's not the issue
2: yeah, and, and um, ab- absolutely. To, to add to that, Ian, um, we think that being independent is, is very important, and um, s- maintaining a degree of independence is important like in any healthy relationship. And there's actually a, a great book um, called Mating in Captivity by the psychologist uh, Esther Perel.
3: That uh, is brilliant. <laughs>
2: have, have, you, have you read that book? I
3: haven't, no, I'm just loving that m- you managed to bring that reference along this evening.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very good book. I, I really recommend it. And, and it, uh, I, I suppose it says that, you know, if two partners are too close to each other, then they stifle each other. But they have to maintain a degree of independence. If they're completely independent, they're not together. But if they maintain a degree of independence, then that's where you have healthy relationships. Um, and that's definitely the case with us.
3: So, um, so you know, as you said, this is a nice lead-in to, to my final question, which is, um, you, haven't, you haven't changed your names. You've kept your own names. Um, if you were to change your names, would it be Barket Invoice or Market Layers? Or Barkit Invoice Market Layers with a hyphen
2: Should we say it at the same time? That is really not
4: going to work. Oh, please do. (laughs) (laughs) I I think we're a very sophisticated partnership, so I'm going to go for the hyphenation option.
3: Hyphens, okay. Tom?
4: I agree. Uh, Hyphenation. Oh, lovely.
3: Look at that. (laughs) What a lovely note to end on. Um, So I believe my roving reporter has a mic. Do we have any questions from the audience?
1: Come on, after that, there must be some questions.
2: Let's go. Our first question. Yeah, hi. Uh, a quick question. You mentioned people and integration. What about the tech side of things? Um, how does that work? Yeah, so um, at a tech level, we're integrated at the front end. So we're very present on each other's websites. And we will continue to be integrated as the, the partnership goes on. And, and that'll only get deeper and deeper. Um, but it's, it's not a, just about the tech at this stage. It's about the people as well and the relationship, uh, the product um, which is very important, the, um, the fact that we offer a product which Barclays Business Bank doesn't offer for that size of customers. Um, and, of course, the mission and the way we see things.
1: Great. Anyone else? Got another one down here. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I learned so much about good relationships, and it's not just about the depth of integrations.
6: <laughs>
1: Where was that? Here we go.
7: Yeah, one aspect, I guess, was missing money in a relationship, you know, is uh, who of the partners, which of the partners in the relationship is earning money on the relationship or from the relationship? How does that, uh, well, How does it end up for, for you financially, Barclays and Market Invoice? Or is it the third party, the SMEs who are earning on it, right?
4: Honestly, everybody's winning from this one. Um, it's genuine. Um, you know, you, don't, you clearly spend a lot of time working this stuff out in advance to make sure you're all comfortable and you're, you're going to get out of it what you want and the businesses that we both exist to serve are going to get what they want. Um, and that's what we've got to. Oh, Honestly, that wasn't the hard bit.
3: Can, can I ask a question on, on like, there was, there was some sniggers there, but like, what are we thinking? Do we think market invoice, market lays or, or hyphens?
1: Yeah, take it back to the important points. Come on,
3: folks. Yeah, I do, right? That's what I'm here for. Anyone? What, what did you say, Jamie? market invoice okay any more for any
1: more can we, can we do can we do Markleys
3: Markleys
0: I, I think if, if you're listening on the podcast buy all of these domains right now it would be <laughs> would be my advice they, they may be worth a fortune they, they really won't
4: <laughs>
0: tension all right on that note thank you very much to our guests so give these guys a round of applause thank you thank you I will be honest, the depth of integration stuff might have been the most erotic thing I've ever heard in front of a group of people. That is deeply disturbing in ways that I will only tell to a therapist later on. So, uh, All right, next up, we have a pair whose partnership has been going for a little while now. So please welcome to the stage Josh Bottomley, who is the Global Head of Digital at HSBC, and Ed Maslavekas, who is the CEO at Bud. And the host for this one, Mr. Jason Bates.
6: Thank you. I feel like there's some uh, tension now following that. I, you know, you're watching that thinking, is Jason going to take the metaphor that far? Where are we going with this?
8: And I suppose people are wondering who's who, right? Who
6: is who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's Ed. <laughs> so, 18 months in, and there's definitely a rapport here.
8: I thought it, I thought it was longer than that.
6: <laughs> uh, Tell us about the relationship. Like, what are you doing together?
8: So, do you want to start? I'll start. Sure. <laughs> that's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> I have to ask for permissions. So. Um, now, so ultimately what we're, we're working on is sort of new, new customer experiences um, on the retail side. Um, really thinking about, you know, what the future of banking looks like in a, market, in a marketplace environment, in an open banking environment. Um, so, the exciting stuff is really, that's kind of really groundbreaking is sort of a big retail bank Thinking about and starting to introduce our customers to products outside of their ecosystem.
6: Josh, like HSBC has ridiculous number of engineers and talented designers,
9: and like a number of people. You're you're working with this guy. (laughs) We are. Well, there's a. um, We we had a great session. Actually, it was. We were trying to remember exactly when it was, but it was about eighteen months ago. And we sponsor a incubator event, and I was chairing the event, and we had the session and. towards the end. I just said, by the way, you don't get the feedback. Let me tell you where we think we need help. We've been trying to work with third parties and I thought it makes it much easier if we say where are some problems that we don't think we're going to try and build internally with the engineers and these are the problems we want to solve. And Ed rather provocatively (laughs) put his hand up and said, we've got a solution to one of those problems. Can we talk? And what was actually really different, and I think I really should I think there's a lesson here more broadly, is it wasn't just that there was an idea and it was a solution that we were already looking for an external um, partner to help with. It was the approach to doing that. I mean, the, the, the issue, as we all know, in dealing with banks is there are going to be a thousand problems to solve to get through, whether it's the compliance problem, it's the data problem, it's the regulatory problem, it's how do you integrate the technology, it's the services, and it's actually the attitude. To keep as a and i really again to give credit to Ed and actually a lot of the other people that we partner with, to keep that sense of vision and purpose about what you're trying to do and why you exist for the customer and yet also be adaptable to help solve those problems is what really got through that period. So he, he completed you. That's, what you. that's what you're saying. I think we moved forward <laughs> together in a different way. Than simply that way.
6: So Ed, um, I mean, partnership all sounds very well, but there's an exchange of money going on here. Um, so like how is this a partnership Can you be sure about that <laughs> okay well how is there a partnership how is this a partnership and not just a vendor working for sure. someone
8: else so i mean look if we if you think about just you know we take the tech aside and we just think about logistics of this ultimately what what we're building is this this look at marketplace banking that means that you know somebody in a marketplace world has to go out and work with potentially hundreds and hundreds of partners right and it doesn't really make sense for everyone in a world of marketplace to go and work with absolutely everyone else it just it's like a numbers game it just doesn't really make sense and ultimately you have to be able to onboard new partners quickly and and get through that that process and that again is part of where the communication's been really open and it, it's been about just metaphor about really good communication being open being honest um about you know the struggle that that we were going to have to begin with was how do you onboard your partners you know what vetting do you do because this is you know this isn't just oh it's a cool integration this is hsbc right Mm -hmm. and we need to make sure that that is rock solid Mm -hmm. so it's those operational pieces that have actually really been the strength of course our technology is fantastic we have an amazing tech team that that it's table stakes. It, you know, it's those other things you, you don't think about that, the, the sort of exciting things that, that, that make it work.
6: So I guess that's a good point about the having one central player or one player being able to do a, the similar things for, for different partners. Um, how does that, is that the way that you see the difference between partners and doing things internally? How do you make that decision between actually this is something that we should take on and really do ourselves versus
9: we should pro- we should work with someone externally to do that? Um, it's a great question. And actually, there are, some, but there are some areas where it's fairly clear which way we want to go. So, um, actually, in this case, both – we we had two problems, actually. This is where people sometimes get PSD2 wrong, the banks are defensive. We've been trying to work with Yodely and Mint for 10 years, and we could never get through the terms and conditions. PSD2 allows us to do things we couldn't do yeah. in that sense. And so, if you take the example with Bud, we knew that the ability – to share the data and when we started the pilot wasn't something we were, we, we had a bunch of internal issues that we could, we would struggle to get through. So it made sense to externally. And secondly, one of the things that Bud does, and we're very happy, particularly with First Direct, and this is with the announcement that we've put out today, to says, actually, we want to test with customers. Do they want to see through a bank third-party offers? And if you're a bank... That's quite a complicated issue because sometimes we've got customers who want that and they say, yes, I do. Why are you only selling me HSBC product? And we do that with fund management and you can see other funds. But some people always make the assumption if I'm coming through the bank, there'll be something in it for them. I don't quite trust them. And yet we've got other customers who say, we want to go and do this. So actually it made a lot of sense in that case actively to do it with somewhere else. And we have no issue with Bud also working in other places. The other place where we it's a slightly different relationship is if someone really has built up a level of expertise into a domain area. So when you mentioned Jason, the vendor, yeah. what that slightly comes from is I think that world of it's a fixed piece of software or kit that you can define up front and you can put your service level agreements. What's actually changing in the world is this movement of some fixed capability to an ongoing product management roadmap. So if what you're saying is I want to work with someone in this domain expertise that we don't have, and not only do I want to work with them and partner with them now, but I want them to keep innovating that product to stay up with where customers are in the market, is that's another very good reason to work externally.
6: But I guess it creates that sort of change of power dynamic, where actually there's someone who's not under your control. That it is a partnership that you know that is outside of the walls. Like, how does that work? How does that work for you working with with major banks?
8: Yeah, I think I think it's interesting. I mean, we, I mean, there's, I can see the advantage from both sides. So we go out and do a bunch of work that and and work on things that we don't know that HSBC is going to want to do, but we need to go out to the market and test it and do it at speed. And I think sometimes it's about you know, for us, you know, being nimble and trusting our gut and, and, and testing stuff. And then once we've seen what works and doesn't work, we can we can come to the partner and say, look, we've tested this stuff. Um, we've done it pretty quickly. Here's the data. Are you are you interested in it or not? And I think that changes the conversation from, you know, I think where FinTech partnerships were a few years ago, where it was about, hey, we've got this really cool product and this cool idea, what do you think? Whereas we're saying, okay, we've we tested this, we tried it at the market. We think it could help your customers, and then start the conversation there. So I think that changes it a little bit.
6: But I guess that comes with with risks, Josh. That ultimately, through the senior managers' regime and all kinds of things, there are people in HSBC who are ultimately responsible for customer outcomes that come from Bird, who aren't in your control. Like, how do you how do you sort of even start to work with that?
9: Um, You're right. I mean, just as an aside, we have that internally as we start to hire product managers who want to have an agenda. We have that issue now with some of the internal teams um, that are building service because we don't give people that freedom. We won't innovate on behalf of customers. So it's a very real issue, actually, for some of the internal teams as well as with third parties. Um, There are two big parts to that. One is an agreement around... There are some guide rails. So what I think you have to do is say... And I believe in the grey. People used to say we either do do this or we don't do that, and there was no space. And what we're trying to do now is say there is stuff that we absolutely need to do, there is stuff that we won't do, and actually there should be quite a lot of space in between. And actually if you think of things like the sandbox that we can start to use, um, we could, there are things that we can do in one market so we can show to people. Well, actually, we've we've managed to launch that, or we've watched someone do that in China or in the US and how do we bring it back to certain markets? And I think if we get that, if we're smart about that and we can take all of our, both our internal risk compliance people on the journey as well as some of the external regulators, I think um, we create some space. And actually come back to one of the questions here is the UK as a FinTech hub. If we don't get this right, the UK won't succeed. It's one of the most important things that we need to do in the UK is to create that safe space for innovation and play, whether it's for internal teams or third parties.
6: So we're seeing lots of fintechs that, as Asif was saying at the start, are, are getting more mature, are getting uh, better at uh, making sure that compliance and the risk and everything is taken care of. Um, and it seems like, you know, this is going well. Uh, what's the uh, What's the advice to other fintechs and other banks as to, like, what have you learned on the last 18 months you wish you'd have known at the start?
8: Yeah, I think the, f- the first thing is obviously, w- how do you get that first engagement? And again, that like Josh said, it's about, you know, asking the question, putting your hand up and not sort of assuming that, hey, actually, you know, they won't need what we've got and, yeah, they're actually working with this other person and just ask the question. Um, That's number one. Number two is, you know, the work required to actually get it done. Those are the hard yards. Once you've got, you've started the conversation and you say, okay, um, this sounds like we're all agreed and we want to do the same thing, that's when the work begins. So if you know that, if you know your work's not over, then 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 you might be able to succeed.
6: No parties with the woohoo! They've said yes. No, <laughs> Josh.
9: Um, I think that, and I'm, I mean, I'm in danger of slightly repeating what I said. I mean, we've made several investments even last year, whether it's with Retrade, WeTrade, Trade, Visolution, Visible Alpha. We've just announced this investment today. I think what is in common is this sense of businesses that have it, are really clear about the problem they're trying to solve but with this at the same time and that flexibility and that's really quite difficult it's quite difficult for all of us actually as individuals in any role how do you how do you maintain that sense of purpose that you have but also work out when you're going to adapt to which things you should adapt to and it's not because if you by the way if you just adapt to everything that we as HSBC say you won't get anywhere because you'll go around in circles because we have so many stakeholders and they don't all say the same thing and you end up tracing your tail. So you've got to keep a sense of purpose. You're actually helping when one of the things that um, Bud does, and there are a couple of other companies that we're looking for, is actually it's quite helpful to us that there is this sense of purpose. But you've got to be the adaptability comes. And I totally echo what Ed said and actually the previous um, conversation said. In some ways, the technology is table stakes here. That's not what, what makes these things win or lose. And I think that's what's really different even to four or five years ago.
6: Thank you. Well, I'm not going to, uh, to follow Sarah's lead and talk about HS Budsa or, uh, or anything like that. Uh, but I am going to... No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm my wife, my to,
9: wife and I have kept our own names, so I don't quite get <laughs> where the issue is.
6: But I am going to open it up for, uh, for questions. Who'd like to know something?
1: Excellent. One for me to start. Ed, what shampoo do you use? <laughs> what shampoo? <laughs>
10: You don't, you don't, don't have to answer no. that, but we
1: do ask the hard-hitting questions. Yeah. Was there one here somewhere?
8: Yes. All right, so the question is on culture. So you've got a startup company which traditionally is moving really fast, not afraid to fail. You've got HSBC with a different type of culture. How do you make these two cultures work together? I, I just caveat that with we are massively afraid to fail. <laughs> <laughs> we can make small failures, but we don't want to fail. Um, ultimately, I look. I mean there's this kind of idea that goes around about kind of fintech is this whole other thing. And then there's banks and they're a different thing. And that, you know, early on, it was this idea that oh, aren't the fintechs so smart. And thank you for that, Jason. That was one of yours. Um, and the banks, the current banks are so stupid, but it's just, it's just not that way at all. It's ultimately we have massively different challenges. We, we, you know have a lot of smart people, they have a lot of smart people, and it's about figuring out okay, your challenges are yours and our challenges are ours and if we can work together and get sort of leverage the best of that, then that's that's fine. It isn't actually from a culture from in our experience the culture clash doesn't really exist, yeah, people might dress slightly differently, but like, we're talking about the same things. And it's amazing when you get, like, the API specialist from HSBC and our guy really just going off onto a tangent, and we're all sat back like, okay, let them go. Um, then, then you know, it, it's just like any kind of partnership from that degree.
9: Yeah, I, I mean, I'd add that there is a shift on our side. And certainly if you take HSBC, and I'm sure it's the same if you go to um, the other big banks. And I'm sure, David, you've experienced this in your previous world. We just we've now HSP we've got in the last four or five years we now have a team of six thousand people that we didn't have five years ago. Six, that's globally in terms of digital and data what we're doing. Probably over two thousand of those have jobs that didn't even exist in the company previously. It's not that we've grown this team and shrunk the team. The jobs didn't exist. We didn't have solution architects who said actually I would know how to integrate a third party versus build it. We didn't have our own A/B testers because we outsourced it to an agent's marketing probably a brand agency who outsourced it to two further steps down the line. Um, we didn't have we had data scientists, but we didn't have data engineers who could fix the problem. We certainly didn't have product managers owning Roadmaps. What we had were change management people trying to deliver projects. Without that, there is no way we could have. Even if even if I'd had that great conversation with Ed and some smart guy comes up with an idea, there is no way we could have integrated, tested, made it work. And I think there is just such a fundamental shift, certainly in our case, of what we've done, how we operate, what we do around the countries that allows us allows us to do that. What there isn't, and I just wanted to make the point, what there never was was this sense of, oh, we don't want to work with them. Why are we allowing these people? It was a capability issue. not a. There was I'm not aware of any, in any bank, actually, the strategy is, oh, we don't want to keep these people in. We don't want to let them in the space. The problem is we just didn't know how to make it work. And a call out to 11FS as well that's some of the skills that you bring what you're doing is facilitating that is helping to make these things work and that's really important well on that excellent point
6: i'm uh, i'm going to close this and uh, thank uh, josh and ed um thank you thanks
0: Wonderful. Thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate that. I I think, uh, if anything, what we learn there is, like, go and, like, chat to that guy or girl at the bar, because they might turn out to be a global bank that you can work with, which is kind of (laughs) good. Put your hands up, people. It's the most important thing. All right, next up, we want to talk to somebody who is... It's kind of like one of the OGs in this space, really, when it comes to, not just from an individual perspective, but actually the organization when it comes to relationships with fintech players. So please welcome to the stage, all the way from Madrid, literally, uh, Mr. Simon Taylor and Mr. Derek White from BBVA. Over to you, Simon.
11: I'm not actually from Madrid, I live in London, but uh, uh, but Derek now lives in Madrid. Derek, of course, you used to work for Barclays,
7: so um, is it weird when you see your ex? Uh, you know, the, the bar <laughs> analogy walking in, that's why I'm flying solo tonight. I didn't want to bring a partner up here and make my life partner feel a little bit awkward with so many exes in the room tonight. So yeah, I am flying solo tonight. But, well, but look, before we get started, can we give a super huge shout out? To the eleven FS guys, they—the ecosystem that they are building, the content that they are creating, the connections that they are are, are facilitating—freaking world class. Can we give them a big round of applause? <laughs> super, super cool. Well, so
11: since you gave us so much love, I—I, um, I, really since it since it is Valentine's Day, I made you a mixtape. <laughs> oh yeah, baby! All right. Now I don't have to like, get anything for my wife. She knows nothing about it. Uh, perfect. perfect. I was trying to think of like Enrique Iglesias songs, like "You Can Be My Hero,"
7: Derek, and all this kind of stuff. Um, By the way, my name in Spanish class is Fede Blanco, so uh, uh, I know it doesn't have the sexiest string to it, but good stuff. All right. um So
11: yeah, you are a here solo uh, today, but you guys, uh, as David said. Have done a few things with fintechs in your time, and of course you've done it throughout your career. Um, so talk to me about your approach to the fintech market or to open innovation to all of that stuff. you know where, where does that begin? Do you see yourself as somebody that has to work with you know deep on one
7: or two fintechs like what's that approach fundamentally? That's a great question. so fintechs, and it's been alluded to a little bit earlier, fintechs have taken and typically start with one product or one customer problem and are fairly narrow and go very, very deep on that. And that's what's great about uh, a lot of fintechs is they're solving individual kind of discrete uh, customer problems. The challenge a lot of fintechs have, as I work with and, and, uh, and meet with many around the world, is scaling beyond that narrow business model that they start with and do brilliantly and do absolutely amazing in scaling it. As a large organization, and looking at the engagement in ecosystems around the world, there's kind of four key things that we look at, that I look at and that we look at. And you can describe it as dappy. And you can equate it to giving the love theme of tonight. You can equate it to the bases that are frequently described in a relationship. And I'll leave it to you to describe which is first, second. Third base and home. Uh-huh. So it starts with how do you actually develop developing the, the 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 product itself, right? And and the solution that you're actually looking to develop, and then how do you a- acquire, partner, or invest in any of these partners? And the innovation infrastructure that exists in large organizations like uh, BBVA, the organization that I work in,
11: it's not like tender. You're not just swiping left, left swiping on it. <laughs> right
7: and left. It's not. It's not random. There is a. There is a very real innovation architecture that exists that helps to define what is the right relationship with each individual partner. Because just like a parent with children, and we have investments in Atom here in the UK, we have Holvi, we have Simple in the United States, we have Denizen, and Joaquin's here from Denizen tonight. Shout out to, to, to Joaquin. We've got Aslo. And those are startups that we've invested in or partnering with. And that we're helping to scale. But then there's also stuff, and that's mostly customer-facing that people see above the glass, as we refer to it. But there's real substantive partnerships happening below the glass, like biometric authentication that we're partnering with das Nano, Like uh, infrastructure partnerships with Stratio, where we've created a joint venture that our entire future data architecture is through a new venture, a JV, that we've established with, with Stratio to create. Uh, so you've got
11: documents. marriages and mistresses.
7: Mar- uh, yeah. <laughs> Marriages and 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 we have to be real with any partnership. There is obviously breakups along the way, mm-hmm. and we have to recognize there are tough conversations that come along. And the most important thing in any relationship is being totally transparent and being clear. And calling it out when you got to call out bullshit, you call bullshit. Yeah, right. And, and gotta, how do you, you how do
11: you do how do you have that conversation though? Because like you guys have so many that you're working with through the Open Innovation Program. Like, what does that look like? Is it just like is it like an awkward look of a dinner? Are we talking about like you know is it is it kind of awkward or, or is there a structure you have to be able to have these conversations or is it just really building trust on the human side?
7: Yeah, let me, let me give you just a small peek behind the curtain of what of what we do. So we have fifty nine business cells within the company that drive the revenue. Any one of those business cells could be potentially a unicorn in and of itself. So we have a stable of these 59 uh, uh, products and or businesses that are driving the future of the company. Those 59 business cells then are bl- blow out into problems that need solving. And by documenting the problems associated with the core business itself... Matching that with the ecosystem, bringing the ecosystem together to, in true reciprocity and refining that matching algorithm where we have a thousand startups that we match up with the problems from these 59 businesses. You bring them together, those flow through to POCs and then into contracts and that generate revenue for the ecosystem, for the individual uh, startups. That's the magic of how when you get a, a innovation platform operating at scale that is truly solving business problems and customer problems that are going to flow right through to the bottom line and to the net promoter score and customer relationship. When you can do that matchup, that is where the magic happens.
11: So what you're saying is it's not Tinder, it's eHarmony. <laughs> <laughs>
7: Yeah, that's a good example. Yes, absolutely.
11: <laughs> but but then, if you're matching all of these things all the time, and you've kind of got all of that together, um, what qualifies something as better than worse? Like, how are you qualifying through that? Because you're seeing so much all of the time. Like, yes, you know that what your priorities are. Yes, you can see the fintechs in the in, in the ecosystem, but there's got to be a human level to this. And, on, and and how do you empower people to to bring that from the bottom up? Like, what what does
7: that look like day to day? So. I got some really good advice. When I was first getting into angel investing myself, I got some really good advice from uh, an iconic friend who once told me that making your first angel investments, it's all about the team, the team, the team. Um, And so at a human level, it has to be the team, the team, the team. Shout out. (laughs) um so it has to be the team but then after you get beyond the team there's three other things that i personally look at and that we look at once you get the team then you have to get the product is the product differential but is it freaking amazing is the product amazing and then if you get the team and the product's amazing are the customers coming and are the customers coming by push or pull So you can set
11: the table, you can have a nice little candlelit dinner, um, but will the people come? And and you're looking for that traction. And I guess you've got different things at different stages. So earlier on, more team, later on, traction and all this kind of stuff.
7: You have to look at it differently because whether you're looking at partnering, acquiring, developing, or investing, you have to look at what's the right fit because if it's a business with a run rate revenues of of uh, 30 million and their valuation sitting somewhere between 100 and 300 million, got to make a decision as to how big a stake you're going to take in that business and how much you want to be able to scale them because depending on the, ticket, on the size of the ticket you're going to write mm-hmm. for the investment influences uh, the level of relationship that you want to have with them. But just like a father for any child or a true partner in any relationship, you have to look at each individual business as different. There is no... There is no specific recipe. Well, and I guess you've had
11: examples where it's, it's worked really well and where it's worked less well. So what are your insights from that? Can you control too much of a business? The times where you've done too little with the business? Can you think of any examples?
7: There are. Uh, there are some great examples of where um, sometimes you have a great vision as to what the partner might become, and you get enamored with what I would describe. And to, again, tying back to the love theme of this evening – It's about where is their charisma and where is their substance. Because sometimes it's really easy to get enamored by what the vision and what the charisma of what this business, the potential, Mm -hmm. could be versus what the actual substance is underneath. And there are examples of uh, where we have launched this year. Joaquin, we will have launched seven startups this year out of our own incubator ourselves. We shut down two of them within the first year. Brutal. You're just yeah. walking into bars and shutting people down. We did. <laughs> <laughs> because you just see that the charisma the, the, the charisma that the team has and the vision of what they have, once you get into the substance of it
11: The numbers aren't there, right? And like once you start going to do the due diligence, the numbers don't add up.
7: Or the or the the, the market is it just it just yeah. isn't there. So those are examples. We've had other examples of investments acquisitions that we've made where sometimes you try and pull the business a little bit too close to the core, mm. and there are enormous value valuable uh, benefits that get that can be derived that may not end up on that startup scaling itself, but the the network effect of of connecting. That, uh, that startup closer to the core can have huge transform- transformational benefits.
11: So how do you think about company? when to bring into the core and when not to? Like, what's the insight there? Because if you bring it too close you can, too close to the flame, you can kill it. But actually, also that combustible element can really send it into hyperspace. So you know, what, what's that looking like? Is it that they're more on the financial side or is it easier when they're you know, sort of below the glasses? you put it, when they're we're more of a, a vendor too and a partner too solving some of your business problems?
7: Yeah, so I tie back to the charisma and the substance kind of, kind of point to this, is that there is, on the charisma side of things, one of, one of the startups that, uh, that we acquired had this amazing values approach on a human level, on the way they just, the, the, the culture in the company is absolutely incredible. That acquisition led to us as a, as a 180-year-old company rewriting our overall purpose, developing entire new values and behaviors for the entire company. And that's for 180,000 employees that has 8,000 branches, 31,000 ATMs across the entire world. The hell cultural of impact up. of that charisma coming into the company was enormous. And I guess so sometimes it's less
11: tangible. It's not just a, a P&L figure thing. Sometimes you're looking for something else from it. You can be looking for the charisma. You can be looking for traction. But it really depends what you're looking at. Um, Derek, is there anything you want to add to this audience that you would, that would you take away points before I throw it out to the Q&A?
7: The only takeaway points that I, would, uh, that I would offer to the ecosystem is, one, it's great to be back in London. <laughs> I love London, and I've spent seven years in the UK on and off, and it is great to be in London. It is incredibly exciting to see what is happening in the ecosystem here, and it's a credit to all of you. It's a credit to uh, 11FS and to everybody that is playing a role in developing the fintech capital of the world. And London is recognized as the fintech capital of the world. Yeah. Can we get a round of applause, everybody? The, the only thing that I would say, if I can have one closing comment, it is please continue connecting and pay it forward because that's what the ecosystem's all about. Thank yeah,
1: yeah. That's a, that's a great point to end. I was going to say what I took away from it was like you've had people here with their partner. And Derek's just here without his partner. He's just telling it how it is. Like the, the, vi- the dream of the partnership or the relationship versus the harsh, harsh reality. Um, and Bases, I want to know more about your hi- iconic friends as well, but we can pick that up offline. Questions, please. There must be loads. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Capital of FinTech. Sounds great. In February of 19, in February of 20, what's going to be the capital of
7: FinTech? London. Seriously. Yes. Sir, so, so, so you have to look. The ecosystems around the world are very, very different. What's happening in Asia, what's happening in China, the ecosystem there and that is happening is in, in, in China and India, it's different, but the ecosystem, the high frequency, high, low value interactions that are happening, 2,000, 3,000 interactions uh, per year is pretty significant. The, inter- the ecosystems that are being vo- developed in the United States are very different and regulation is playing a huge role. In the differences between the European, the American, and the Asian ecosystems, I firmly believe, though all of the ingredients, and I'm not just saying it because I'm here in London, uh, but I do believe London will continue to be the fintech capital. And since it is
11: Valentine's, we love the rest of Europe as well. We're still, still deep down. we you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, do we have time for one more before we uh, before we let Derek go back to his chair and yeah,
1: enjoy the Anthony Crawford.
9: I feel really awkward getting announced. Um, so BBVA are working with a lot of startups. We're also co-investing with a lot of the other banks in some of these startups. Who's your favorite co-investor?
7: <laughs> oh, Great question. As any good father and lover, I don't have any one in one <laughs> that I could say today. Beautiful answer. Thanks.
0: So much love to go around. That's good. So uh, thank you very much, Mr. Derek White and Mr. Simon Taylor. <laughs> so I, I think probably what we learned from that one is a grown man at a bank can bring tears to my eyes at one point during that, so, which is good. It's the first time it's been in a good way, though. Uh, like Usually... <laughs> Banks bringing tears to my eyes in a bad way. I'm just going to put it out there. All right, next up, it is our final pair of the night. Uh, and um, this is, and I know it went so fast, didn't it? You, I hear you all saying. Um, but um, next up, we have Dr. Lida Glyptus, who is the 11FS Foundry CEO and Rasmus Figginshu. That was, that was right, Rasmus, right? Close. Pretty much, good. All right, give these guys a round of applause. Yeah. Lida, I I know you need no help with this one, so uh, go.
5: Well, it's good to see so many of you still standing, literally standing, and still with us. So, um, fantastic to have you here. Uh, It's great to be the grand finale. Also, totally cheating, because everyone else got to have their partner on their side and be interviewed by an objective third party. I'm not objective, obviously, I am the partner. So tell me, Rasmus, how awesome is your partnership?
10: Freaking awesome. Uh, I mean, uh, Valentine's Day, yes, so you saved the best for last. <laughs> we totally did. Yes. <laughs> so
5: seriously, um, obviously there will be some some shameless self-promotion here, but but we would like to talk about some of the harder stuff. Um, Foundry is not one of those on-the-surface partnerships, we've talked about integration later, there's a lot of that, we talk about being close to the core of the business, there's a lot of that. Um we can't have been the first person you dated. So what were you looking for when you were looking for a partner?
10: Um, well, specifically, the two guys going out looking for a partner had uh, very specific metrics in mind. I'll try to start with the generic and then uh, go into the very specific. But sort of the uh, you complete me, someone else referenced it to earlier. But but it's it's something very true about it because... Clearly, a bank brings certain capabilities, strengths, and weaknesses uh, with, with us. Um, and so the partner we are looking for is someone who can um, sort of fill that gap uh, in a good way and then strengthen the parts that where we are not so strong at. Uh, and then clearly, uh, that is, in a partner, a key component that we're looking for. I think another is, is the fact that you you probably would have wanted to have worked with or understand the workings of a large financial institution because we work differently and if if there is no understanding of that uh, then the relationship will get strained very quickly so understanding and appreciate the benefits of a large institution was also important
5: so the fact that we're all recovering bankers is helping.
10: That is helping. Uh, and specifically to, to Foundry, I would say, or to 11FS when we met, was, of course, the fact that um, this was uh, two, uh, two architects at D&B who had been working as a pet project for, uh, you know, sort of skunk work for a few years, actually, on this uh, nights and, and, and weekends. And then meeting you guys and finding, actually, the exact same idea of what we wanted to achieve, you know, kind of and working
5: to the theme of the day there was very much a case of oh you're working to that too I'll show you mine if you show me yours but the reality is for a, for an organization like us to be working on ideas like this is it's what keeps us alive both both literally and figuratively yeah. for an organization like DMB, given the size the scale the history there is an evolution that gets you to this point and it's something that every big organization that took this seat today hinted at so what would it what did it take to get to the place where you can be sitting here with us joking about the fact that we completely each other. No um, joke, by the way, it's actually true.
10: <laughs> there is um, well, there is obviously a, st- a strategic uh, maturing uh, in terms of partnerships, in terms of being willing to take, uh, in this case, a value chain of unsecured credits, uh, crucial. Um, earnings, uh, I mean it's, it's, it's an important area for the bank um, and being willing to cooperate with someone else to renew that area uh, in our core is obviously a strategic maturing. There's also um, a very technical maturing and, and it was alluded to earlier, but how we're working with our own core creating APIs and, and actually our own systems in many ways working as if they were partners uh, with our own core. Uh, It enables those type of partnerships in different ways. So there's definitely a strategic component, there's a technical component, um, and uh, there's a movement also seeing that partners are willing to work with banks in a different way, also spoken about earlier, but a big shift over the past few years. So I think both the banks have moved uh, and the fintechs have moved.
5: I mean, the reality is that it's... Unusual at least has been over the last few years for the the partnerships between a big organization and a, and a startup or, or a fintech player to be in the things that really touch the core and what we're trying to do here is is touching the core in, in every sense, the core of the business, the core of the infrastructure um, the core of, of where you're going in the future, which makes it extremely exciting. but also it meant that there were a whole host of approvals that had to be had to be gained from organizations internal and external. so why don't you tell our audience about how how it went when we met the parents. Have we got their approval yet? Do they like
10: us? Well, actually, I've, uh, I now have uh, three kids or a third coming in June with my wife and I'm still wondering if my father-in-law approves me. So, you know, it's it's also, they kind of leave you hanging, right?
5: I, I, I think my dad likes you. <laughs>
10: okay. <laughs> there's so much love I, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce you to my father-in-law and you can vouch for me um, so the, um, in, in relating to that obviously there are key stakeholders in any organization you can probably boil them down to a few but really if you want to uh, work with a project like Foundry uh, in fact uh, the, the two, two, two people driving this forward in the organization had uh, more than 90 meetings uh, with key stakeholders in the bank Uh, It seems like a lot, and it seems like a waste for anyone who's not working in a bank. But I would also argue that every meeting they had uh, improved the idea and improved what we were actually trying to solve. So speaking to our compliance group, speaking to the legal group, speaking to the various business partners uh, within the bank, uh, this sort of further eccentric, and some actually greatly pivoted the idea before, uh, you know, as this progressed. So,
5: uh, you, You're underestimating what how many people in this room have taken the 90 meetings in big organizations and didn't actually get to the big yes, uh, which, which is a credit to you and, and a testament to, to the grey hairs and the, and the And the wrinkles in this room, I see people nodding. It's like, yeah, yeah, we've been there. Um, But there are also a lot of people in this room who are sitting on the startup side. Uh, They've they've heard a few love stories, chummy jokes, the, the atmosphere is full of love and accomplishment. They're thinking, yeah, I can do this. So what's your advice? They're about to get their first date.
10: Um, you touched upon this in a speech you had uh, very recently yesterday in fact um, on, on not being uh, not being um, sort of a window dressing or a, what was it horse of some sort?
5: Plans versus zombies
10: Plans versus zombies okay so not just being sort of the, the dressing uh, and, and a, a nice um, sort of something nice to put on your web page. Um, I think it's very important when you do approach that partner uh, to figure out if you fit in their strategic roadmap. Uh, Because, believe it or not, banks uh, seemingly being large and having a lot of money, which, of course, they do have huge uh, restrictions on priorities in terms of wanting to have, as a universal bank, have a lot of areas that we are developing. And so prioritizing rights uh, for any large bank is extremely important. And for you... uh, trying to find that partnership you need to find a partner who will prioritize you time over time not just putting the ink on paper but actually keep working with you keep developing that partnership so i think finding a place uh, as uh, an important part of where they want to go is is crucial in that uh, first moment
5: and and it gets harder if in in a relationship like ours it's long distance Um, we uh, are very committed to intermingling our people to actually working extremely closely. The transparency and collaboration is core to succeeding. Mm. Voice of customer is not an abstract thing. Your guys are there on a daily basis, and yet they're not because it is a long-distance relationship with all the challenges and enrichments that brings. um, How have you found it affects the way you work with us?
10: Well, there, are, as you say, there are daily week uh, meetings, right, with the developer team. Uh, so, video meetings. I think video. For me, I worked in in Singapore office uh, for for DNB, and I had uh, talks with our credit officers and. Whether that be over phone or video made a huge difference. I mean, how you crack a joke—you know—was he joking or was he dead <laughs> serious? You know, there's something that you can actually bridge with video, so that's clearly progressed uh, also. So having those meetings on video is a big—we uh, know when one?
5: you're joking now. Yeah.
10: <laughs> yeah, that's not just the video, right? That's strange Norwegian culture. But um, but 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 anyway, yeah, I think that's one part of it. Another is actual physical. Uh, you, you know, you need to establish some foundation, so you do need to meet each other, right? Luckily, the canal is not so big, so we can uh, travel across. Um, and uh, we have stakeholders meeting just, uh, I guess, last week. Uh, head of IT and, and head of retail uh, met with you guys and, and really started to get a feel for it. That, that, that's very important to, to, to have that fit as well. Uh, but the teams that are working interactingly frequently, I would say that having video is, is um, seemingly at least as, as well as, as we can get it.
5: So it's been an interesting few months, an exciting few months. We're moving fast. Um, Nudging you towards the thing I really, really want you to say, what does the future hold?
10: World domination. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we agreed, but we're supposed to tell them or what? Well, now they know. (laughs) So obviously, uh, you know, um, I guess uh, fostering our love child into uh, becoming uh, like uh, a real Superman. That's, yes. Yes. A lot of care into that, and actually, Uh,
5: is Liad our our comic designer here? You heard it here first. I expect to see it first thing in the morning.
10: (laughs) And and, uh, to to brag a little about, like any child, you know, you'll you'll get uh, you know just the first poop. You'll talk about that even. So here, I'll talk about the first uh, bigger than than the poop. It's uh, it's the uh, we actually did five live transaction on the payment rails in Norway today. So it's a big first step uh, for for us. So we're very excited about that.
5: It's been a it's been a very good day for us today. It's been amazing to have you here. Um it's been fantastic to get to be the the finale of the day. Do we have any questions? I'm not doing the name by the way because 11FS foundry and DMB it just it just doesn't work in a way that doesn't get me going.
1: I love how we've managed to keep the theme right through to the end. That was terrific. I love you guys. Um questions must be questions about fostering love children into Superman. Come on, don't make me start forcing the mic on people. I haven't had to do it yet. Nothing.
5: Oh, no, oh, no. The journo in the front wants to ask a question.
1: All right, here we go. Great. Now's your chance.
5: Hi, Tanya. Right, so my question is, so I work for a very big corporation. um, And uh, I do have a number
2: of priorities as well and innovations that I want to push for my business. So do many, many other businesses in this big corporation. And everybody's fighting for the priority. And everybody has to talk to legal and compliance and whatever else. And everybody has to have a gazillion of meetings. Just a few tips on, on when you're working on a big organization side, be it a bank or corporation. How do you push agenda uh, and put, elbow everybody else out of the way?
5: I mean, I'm pretty good at that, but I could do with some more tips.
10: Huh. Um... You know, for me, it's trying to find the um, agenda that does fit across some of the... In any large organization, I guess there's like a pendulum moving and you can feel it. And, and it's, in fact, it's quite funny when you hear other banks talking, sometimes you feel like we're all in the same pendulum as well, uh, which is kind of a, a different story. But, but um, finding those and how they apply to the different business areas... Then finding the partner that sort of positions it, but it's basically whenever you feel that you're sort of trying to push the pendulum back and it 's actually moving in your direction, then you realize something is wrong and you kind of you're the one standing in the way uh, so, so making sure that your priorities actually fit where the, sort of the, the general direction of the bank is going, and of course affecting it because clearly some of us are working where we see partners and we see a direction in our industry that we want to affect and and then you work with the stakeholders in 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 the sort of raising awareness and raising consciousness about it,
5: and then from the partner side, taking the interviewer hat off, I mean, obviously we were courted by others also, and uh, and as the pendulum swings, some people jump off it and and actually drive the agenda, and and some don't. The experience of the the challenge of elbowing others out the way, I think, is universal in banks. I felt it when I was on the bank side. I feel it today. The partnerships we saw today are the people who actually have the courage of their convictions to go. You know what? I'm going to push
10: this one. It always comes down to you actually have to work really hard for it. Obviously, yeah. All right, I've
1: I've got another one, Jeff Tyson. Thank you, sir.
4: Um, I remember the, the early discussions that we had with Martin and Trikva in beautiful Oslo and those guys should definitely deserve a shout out because without Martin and Trickfer this partnership wouldn't exist so thank you guys. Um, what's, what's the single piece of advice you would give to either a startup or a bank when it comes to building a successful partnership?
10: Well I mean it's kind of it's related to the previous in terms of finding that common agenda but very clearly, clear, uh, early on making sure that you are aligned, having some of the, some of those conversations, having enough conversations to where you f- really feel that you're going in the same direction. Because at any point in time in this partnership, there will be times where we're saying, eh, it's kind of this way or kind of that way, and that will be friction enough. If someone is saying 90 degrees to the left and the other saying 90 degrees to the right, that's when the partnership ends, right? So I think having that type of a dialogue very early on uh, saves a lot of time for both parties and was important to us as well in establishing this. And I, I know, I'm happy you mentioned my name. Those were, of course, the two working relentlessly on this project uh, before I, I even knew what it was about. You know, when they when they first pitched it to me, I was like, I have no idea what this is, but it's going to be, I, I realized it was important, right? Um, and, and so uh, them also working one stakeholder, me in that case, that way, you know, is, is important So f- for that startup, find those people who also burn for that same vision, and then let it roll from there.
1: I, I guess I've got one that sort of sort of builds on that. So for a bank, when you're looking at the, the sort of disruption landscape, and it's so busy, mm. and you're thinking about partnering, what do you consider in terms of, like, where do you even start?
10: Yeah, I think... Um with this, you can either start uh, like someone mentioned having a clear uh, having a clear perspective on where you're not be able to f- fill the uh, gap yourself and then be very specific about we want to partner with someone in this field right that's one approach and then someone has actually developed something uh, and you're trying to integrate it with your value proposition etc so that, that's clearly one thing that we are looking at the other is uh, where you see uh, more of a general movement or a direction and you don't Quite know the answer yet, but you want to find someone to co-solve that problem with, right? And that's when you come back to sort of that complete me aspect, where clearly a bank does not have all the capabilities to solve the problem, and you need to find that other partner that that has those other capabilities and the other strength. Um, So either you're looking for something where you don't really know the future, and you're kind of trying to find a partner to push you in a direction that you have to discover. Uh, together uh, or you look for something very specific um, and you offer that to your, your customers and and we do both but I think uh, someone o- o earlier alluded to you know working deep with a partner working very wide and, and I've always found that the partnerships that work well you keep developing them and, and you keep building them so you for any organization you can only have so many set of partnerships that go that deep and the other might end up as as window dressing or sad stories.
5: I told you it was going to be self-congratulatory and we're completely yeah, unashamed yeah. about this. Please put your hands together for Rasmus for being here with us today <laughs> and being an awesome partner. Thank you. David, over to you.
0: Goodness me. Some uh, fiery stuff in there. Um, so this kind of concludes this very special episode of FinTech Insider. So thank you very much, everybody, for, for joining in. I, like, I, I took a couple of notes here, and I'm actually even scared of just saying this stuff out loud in front of other people. So what have we actually learned here? So we've learned it's all about the love removing friction, which sounds possibly like the weirdest thing I've made eye contact with while I've been saying it. Um, the next thing is all about depth of integration. <gasps> Another really sexy thing to say in front of a bunch of people. And I, I think actually Lida said it's 99 meetings until the big yes, which I think it might be the sexiest thing I've ever heard Lida say as well. Um, but um, thank you very much, everybody. Like, it's uh, a really important point that we're trying to make, albeit that we're making it with funding. Uh, and isn't that the point of all of this stuff? Financial services doesn't have to be boring, guys. This stuff can be entertaining and funny while we're doing it. So from our perspective, relationships are all about how do you make them work. And actually what you've seen today is a bunch of people who are up on stage who are actually delivering shit, getting this stuff done and delivering it out to customers, making this stuff happen. And that's super, super, super important. So I want to say a big thank you. So thank you very much to to everybody who's taken part. But Rasmus, Derek, Josh, Ed, Tom, Ian, give these guys a round of applause for being I want to say a absolutely massive thank you to everybody at the 11FS media team for making this happen and to everybody at Level 39 for having us back. To be honest with you, like I'm surprised they had us back. But thank you very much for everybody who had us back. So give those guys a round of applause as well. Please, 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 please make sure you donate to Mind. I'm going to bug each and every individual one of you as I walk around this thing afterwards. But make sure you kind of keep going to that. Um, And thank you for everybody for turning out. It really means a great deal to us. Don't make this just a fun night out. Go and do something differently tomorrow. So thank you very much for the audience. That was Fintech Insider. Have a good night.